1 John 2, verse 18 to 27. And it says, warning against Antichrist. Dear children, this is the last hour. And as you have heard that the Antichrist is coming, and even now, many Antichrists have come. This is how we know it is the last hour. They went out from us, but they did not really belong to us. For if they had belonged to us, they would have remained with us. But their going showed that none of them belonged to us. But you have an anointing from the Holy One, and all of you know the truth. I do not write to you because you do not know the truth, but because you do know it, and because no lie comes from the truth. Who is the liar? Is it the man who denies that Jesus is the Christ? Such a man is the Antichrist. He denies the Father and the Son. No one who denies the, the Son has the Father. Whoever acknowledges the Son has the Father also. See that what you have heard from the beginning remains in you. If it does, you also will remain in the Son and in the Father. And this is what he promises us, even eternal life. I am writing these things to you about those who are trying to lead you astray. As for you, the anointing you received from him remains in you, and you do not need anyone to teach you. But as his anointing teaches you about all things, and as the anointing is real and not counterfeit, just it is as taught you, remain in him. Many of us go through life feeling that we have the weight of the world on our shoulders. And of course, that's not true, at least not literally true. But what is true is that we have the weight of a small car on our heads. As you walk around your day-to-day -day life, you literally have the weight of, say, a Fiat 500 or a Mazda 2 or a Toyota Yaris pressing down on your noggin every second of every day. You see, all of the molecules that are above you weigh something. And if you add them all up, like in a column above you, that you end up with about one ton in weight that's weighing on your mind every second of every day. Now, if you go up a mountain, it changes. If you go down to sea level, it changes, but that's roughly how much is weighing down on your head right now, one ton in weight. And you notice this, most of the time we don't notice it, but, but the times when we notice it the most is say when we take a flight somewhere or we climb a mountain and you have to and you have this pressure change, and you have to equalize the pressure change. How do you usually equalize the pressure change? What do you do? Okay, Jeff blows, kind of, yeah, does his nose thing. Or you can yawn, or you can suck on a sweet, and something happens, right? What's this thing, what's that thing that happens? What, what do you call it? Your ears pop, right? And so that's when we know that we have this one-ton weight uh, weighing on us. And yet, even though there's this one-ton weight weighing on us, there's something that keeps us from being crushed like an egg. Because at the same time as we have this external pressure weighing down on us, we also have an internal pressure that's really pushing out from us. 
And this, and this internal pressure, this internal force resists the external force. And so really, in a very true sense, that we resist being crushed by outside forces by allowing something within us to fight for us. We resist being crushed by outside forces by allowing something within us to fight for us. And in the physical world, this just happens. You don't see human beings walking around willing themselves not to be crushed. I hope that this isn't my time. I hope that this isn't my time. You know, that really doesn't happen. But as we've heard over the past few weeks, there's also a spiritual reality. And sometimes it's good to remind ourselves that in Christ we are not alone. And that with the person of the Holy Spirit residing within us, that he serves as our resisting force. So that we can walk through life and not be squished like a bug. A life full of Christ cannot be crushed. Let's say that all together, if we can go on to, the, on to that slide, yeah. Ready, one, two, three. A life full of Christ cannot be crushed. As Paul says in 2 Corinthians 4, verse 8, he says this, we are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. We are persecuted, but not abandoned. We are struck down, but not destroyed. And why aren't we crushed? Why aren't we destroyed? Because verse 7 of, of 2 Corinthians 4 tells us that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. Amen? Last week we heard that your soul needs a feast. Stop feeding it snacks. And we learned how, how, how vital it is that we don't allow ourselves to be robbed of the feast that God has for us in Christ because we're constantly nibbling just enough to stave off the, the hunger pang so that we're never truly hungry for him. But neither are we ever satisfied, don't, so don't do that. But this morning, I want us to focus on what we already have within us in Christ. What are the positive forces inside us if we're in Jesus Christ that allow us to resist the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life like we heard about last week? Or we can word it like this, regardless of what temptations or forces are pressing in on you, how can you resist? And for that we need to turn to verse 20 of our passage today, 1 John chapter 2. Verse 20, but you have an anointing from the Holy One, and all of you know the truth. But you have an anointing from the Holy One, and all of you know the truth. And I'd like to start here, even though it's halfway through our passage, because this is a watershed moment in in John's thinking. Because verse 18 and 19, what, what John has just shared is a bit of a downer. He's talked about the Antichrist and Antichrists. He's talked about people leaving the community who he calls antichrists. He talks about the last hour or the last time. And so in this context, people have up and left. hard, And and he also shows that hard times are coming in the future. So in a sense, these are the forces which which are pressing down on us every second of every day. Things which have happened, so regrets, relationships which have soured, um, hopes which have maybe been smashed against rocks, dreams which have never transpired. These are our regrets, the things that have happened in the past. 
And, and this past can, can threaten to squish us and to crush us. It can, it can leave us bent out of shape and in pain. And then as we look at the future, we feel this fear of the future maybe pressing down on us. So, um, and maybe you've experienced this. Hands up if you've ever looked at your future and just felt that sinking feeling inside going, I don't know what to do. Hands up if you've ever had that sinking feeling as you look ahead. Me too. You, you don't see a way out. All that you can see are the dark clouds. Well, in John's case, he looks right, right at the end of time. He says in verse 18 that the Antichrist is coming. This is how we know that it is the last hour. And now what he means when he refers to the last hour is that Jesus has died and risen. The Holy Spirit has come. And now he's saying that the next moment after, after, the, after Jesus going up to heaven and the Holy Spirit coming in his stead, that the next massive cosmic universe-shaking God-sized thing that will happen is Jesus returning. And so at this moment in between Jesus going up and Jesus returning, this is known as the last time. This is known as the last hour. And we're still in the last hour. So this last hour has taken about 2,000 years so far and still counting, but do not forget this one thing, dear friends, with the Lord, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like a day. So we're in this last hour, and there are some pretty rubbish things there on the horizon, things that can cause you to lose hope. John talks about this, this Antichrist. Now it's, now, it's, now it's worth noting that only John, in the letters of John, uses the word antichrist, but the idea of antichrist is actually found throughout most of the Bible. Now, I remember when I was younger, I watched this uh, movie that's now kind of, I don't know, some people love it, some people laugh at it, but it was called Left Behind. And when I watched it when I was younger, I was intrigued and I was afraid by, by, by this whole idea of the end times and the rapture and um, who would be taken and who would be left and what would happen to those who were left. And I think that the reason why this movie captured my imagination is the same reason I like zombie movies and end of the world movies. And in fact, if you think about it, Left Behind is a bit like a Christian zombie movie but without any zombies. So... Within the world of Left Behind, in fact, hands up if you've ever watched the movie or read any of the books Left Behind, okay? Well, in this world, we see the, the rise of this guy called uh, Nikolai, Nikolai Carpathia from Romania. And in the end, he becomes the supreme potentate of the global community, which I think is an awesome title, except he's a wicked person. But supreme potentate. And... Uh, Feel free to refer to me as that. Some of you call me Pastor Dan, that's fine. But feel free to refer, refer to me as Supreme Potentate. As long as you don't think I'm the Antichrist. And then, don't. And so for, you know, for, for people who are Christians or within the uh, Christian subculture, if you were born in the 70s, 80s, and 90s, probably when you think of the term Antichrist, you think of Nikolai Carpathia. And for each of the generations, in fact, most of the generations, probably since Christ, 
um, and first century when it was Nero. And, uh, you know, you look through and each of the generations has, has tried to figure out who is the Antichrist, right? So is it Hitler? Is it Stalin? Is it Pol Pot? Is it Ceausescu? Uh, maybe many of us think it's our least favorite political figure. We sometimes think that they are the Antichrist, and we throw this word around like it's yesterday's news. But in John, in verse 18, John says, this is the last hour, and as you have heard that the Antichrist is, is coming, even now many Antichrists have come. And the message words it like this, you heard that Antichrist is coming, well, they're all over the place. Antichrists, everywhere you look, that's how we know that we, we are close to the end. And Warren Wearsby who's a wonderful teacher, explains that there are three ways to understand Antichrist. There's the spirit of Antichrist, there are people known as Antichrists, and there's a person at the end of time who will be the Antichrist. And last week, if you remember, I kind of talked about this invisible system in this world that's been set up against God's rule and it's marked by the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life. And so, in a sense, this is the spirit of the Antichrist. It's a system that's set up in rebellion against Christ, which is why it's called Antichrist, because it's against Christ. And then, but also Antichrist can mean instead of Christ. So it's either against Christ or it's instead of Christ. And so, and John is saying that the spirit of Antichrist can, man, can manifest in the local church through people who are Antichrist, who are against Christ, who are wolves in sheep's clothing, if you will. And in John's case, these Antichrists hurt a lot of people and then they left. And John says in verse 19 that this is a sign that they were never really one of us. They, they were never really part of the family. Now, I have to caution us that we can't simply take a label and slap it on anyone that's left the church and say, you're the Antichrist. That's not the way to make friends or influence people. But, 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 and so that's not what John's saying. That's what happened in that context. But what John is saying is that how we live on the outside shows us what's going on on the inside. And sometimes people can leave a trail of pain and suffering and broken relationships behind. You know, like, how many people do you think, when we think about the church worldwide, have left the church and have left faith and have left, you know, the Lord because of someone in the church? Right? We hear it many, many times again many, many times over and over again. And I wonder how many of you have felt, you know, the temptation to leave the church because of someone in the church. And so, like John, we can look back and feel the weight of this regret that kind of threatens to squish us and to crush us. And in John's case, this is represented by the Antichrists, plural. And we can look forward with fear and anxiety at this future that threatens to crush us. In John's case, it's represented by the Antichrist, singular. And, and, and this past and the future can feel like two walls in an Indiana Jones movie that, that are moving in and in and in, and we feel crushed, and, and we feel that real, yeah, the pressure of it all. 
And so John in, in verse 20 speaks right into the heart of the matter. As you're there in between the wall of the past and the wall of the future, John speaks into this reality and he says to his readers, which includes you and includes me, but you have an anointing from the Holy One and all of you know the truth. John says to us, to we who are in Christ Jesus, it really doesn't matter what has happened in the past and it really doesn't matter what will happen. It really doesn't matter what forces are out there trying to crush you. Yes, they are real, and yes, we shouldn't act like they're not there. But you have an anointing from the Holy One, and all of you know the truth. Friends, so as, as, as we allow the truth of God revealed in his word to speak to us, as we insist on meeting together and lifting each other up in his name, as we choose to allow the uh, God's truth to speak louder and stronger and more insistently than the regrets of yesterday and the fears of the future, we can stand up against these forces. Amen? Amen. Satan wants to squish you. He wants to crush you. He wants you to think that he has all of the power. He, he, wants, to, he, he wants you to walk around like like he has you in his hand, and at any moment, he can just do this, and you are gone. But because of Jesus, our adversary's fingers are broken. He doesn't have any power. You see, someone who, who, who has been crushed has lost the power to crush someone else. Someone who has been crushed has lost the power to crush someone else. It's like someone showing up to an arm wrestling match with his arm in a cast and saying, I'm ready to go. It's crazy. He, he might know the talk. He might know how to speak a big game. But when it comes down to it and your elbow's on the table and his elbow's are on the table, he doesn't stand a chance against you. Because that match has already been won because Jesus was there on the table before you. And he, he didn't just win, he crushed his hand. So a life full of Christ cannot be crushed. I'd like a volunteer. A volunteer. Anyone, anyone to come up? <laughs> All right. Over here, Gavin. I have two cans. Let's uh, welcome him up. And what I'd like you to do, here we have two cans. One is mug root beer and one is Coke Zero. Now, uh, first of all, and I'd like you to use your left hand. Wait, are you left or right-handed? Okay, do you mainly use, do you write with this one? Or, okay, so I'd like you to grab this in your left hand, okay? And then I'd like you to just crush, crush it as hard as you can. Okay, how was that? Weird. Okay. Would you mind holding up and showing everyone? Okay. Well, what can everyone see? A crushed can. Now, I'd like you to take this one in, in the same hand so that it's, you know, it's, it's a fair scientific experiment. And I'd like you to hold that one up and I'd like you to crush it as hard as you can. You can start now. Anytime. Okay, go. Okay, would you mind holding that one up in the air? What, what do you see here? You see an uncrushed can. You've won that. You can take that back to your thing. 
but uh, drink it afterwards. Here is the thing, is that if you are in Christ Jesus, then you have an anointing from the Holy One and you know the truth, which means you are full, which means that you cannot be crushed. Verse 21 tells us, As for you, see that what you have heard from the beginning remains in you, which means don't open up that lid and pour it out. See that what you've heard from the beginning remains in you. If you do, if it does, you will also remain in the Son, and this is what he promised us, life eternal. From this scripture that we've read, what we see actually is that you're either an antichrist or you're in Christ. You're, you're either antichrist or you're in Christ. And how do you know if you are in Christ? Because you have an anointing from the Holy One, the Holy Spirit, which means that you have been set aside for, for God's purposes. Remember verse 14, which says, I write to you young men, and young women, because you are strong and the word of God lives in you and you have overcome the evil one. These are the people who are in the midst of the battle. You know, they aren't the, the newbies, you know, or the ones who've, you know, who've been serving Christ for years. These are the people who are, who are, who are young in the faith and, uh, and they are told that you are strong and the word of God lives in you. That can is full and you have overcome the evil one. And so John's saying that what is in you, which is the Holy Spirit and the power of the word, this will beat any power that threatens to crush you because a life full of Christ cannot be crushed. Listen to uh, Colossians chapter 1, verse 27. It says this, To them... God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery. Okay, this is the glorious riches of this mystery. And what is the mystery? Which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. He is the one we proclaim, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we may present everyone fully mature in Christ. And then um, Paul says this, and it's, it's to this end that I, stre I strenuously contend with all of the energy that Christ so powerfully works in me. His can is full. Now, I've flown a lot. I don't know how many hours I've spent in the air, but I do enjoy it. When I was younger and I had kids that needed attention, not so much. But now that they're older and I can shut them up with a set of headphones in an in-flight movie, I'm falling back in love with flying again. And, and aside from the clear bonus of reaching another country in mere hours, which still is amazing when you think about it, uh, so other than that, there are advantages to flying, and here are some of them. You get to watch the latest movies, you get to buy perfume at duty-free prices, you get a blanket and a pillow or aftershave. Um, you get a blanket and a pillow. You get served your food and snacks. And someone who is not you cleans it up again. And it just vanishes somewhere. 
And if you, and if you press a little button, then someone comes up to your seat and asks you if you need anything at all, sir. Just press, ring, ask, and receive. Simple. Okay, now all of these things that I've just mentioned are known as in-flight services, and there's a reason that they're called in-flight services, because you can only access them in flight. So if you're driving or sailing or walking or riding a horse, then you can't expect Air Canada to provide you with a blanket and a pillow and food and the latest movie and a smile. That's not part of the deal. Satan wants you to go through life crushed by your regret of the past or your fear of the future. But Jesus reminds you of what truly matters, which is that you have an anointing from the Holy One and all of you know the truth. These are our, not in-flight services, but our in-Christ services. In Christ, we can know that we're set apart, that uh, we are anointed, and that we know the truth. Regardless of what's said in the world out there, we can say, I have the Holy Spirit inside of me, and I know the truth. We can know truths like our sins are totally forgiven, as we read in verse 12. We can know truths like that... We can know God. We can have a relationship with him, verse 13. We can know truth that we've overcome the evil one and we have the word of God living in us, verse 14. These are the in Christ services or benefits that are available to anyone who is in Christ. And 2 Peter 1, verse 3 sums up these in Christ services. He says this, God's divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him. He has given us everything we need to live a godly life through our knowledge of him. Friends, in Jesus, you lack nothing. You lack nothing. You have everything that you need with Jesus Christ in you. You do not have to worry about being crushed by outside forces. Yes, they are above you like air that never goes away. And it may weigh one, one, one ton or even more. But it doesn't have to weigh you down because you are in Christ and Christ is in you. Satan will, he will constantly point out what's wrong. He will sow seeds of fear. Of course he will. That's his job. He will remind you of the antichrists of your past and the antichrist of the future. But those antichrists are no match for those in Christ. Satan will constantly challenge you to an arm wrestling match and he will talk a really big talk. But if you look closely, you will notice that Satan's arm is in a cast. He's already, de he, he's already defeated. He's already lost to Jesus. And Jesus is fighting for you. He's the force inside of you that powerfully works. Jesus is your ultimate reality. He is your defining truth. A life full of Christ cannot be crushed.